stories of walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Welcome back to the PCOM Podcast. I'm Pastor Courtney Ellis, and I am so excited to have Christy Vetter, DDS, sitting here in the office with me today. Christy is a longtime PCOM member, and she has quite a story of God meeting her in the midst of... Um, well, I'm not even going to spoil it for you. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to let Christy tell her own story. But Christy, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, of course. So you have been part of PCOM for a long time. How did you land at PCOM? Well, I landed at PCOM because my mother and father found the church, and they told us that that's where they were going to go. And I said, well, that's good for you. That is not where we're going to go. And then my mom asked us to come for Mother's Day. It was her little gift. And That's so, how they get you. I That's know. That's how they right? get you. Just one little service. It's all I'm asking for. And we went. And while we were there, my husband looked at me and said, I could join this church. Wow. And he had never really said he would join any church. So I was like, all right, where do we sign up? That's awesome. So we were hooked. I think the biggest thing was when we went to the two-year-old class, there was like 22-year-olds. Yeah. And I had never seen so many children at a church. So it was pretty awesome. We're in that season again now. Sometimes I go to the nursery and I'm like, are you guys okay? Like, do you need hazard pay? And just so <laughs> many kids. And they do a great job, but 20 toddlers is a lot of toddlers. It's a lot. But it was a great program, and my three boys grew up at the church, too, which has been pretty awesome. And your three boys are? Jason is 21, and Cameron is 19, and Zachary is 17. And they are all very tall. Very tall and very crazy. <laughs> they are they are awesome. So, Christy, you've been at PCOM for a while, and your boys have grown up here at PCOM. And I think sometimes people see you around the church, and you're kind of an upbeat, bubbly, joyful personality. So your life has been very easy and simple, and nothing bad yeah. has ever happened to you, right? Yes, of course. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's it. Thank you for listening yeah. to the PCOM podcast. Thanks. Join us next time. <laughs> Um, but you you shared your story at MOPS, our Mothers of Preschoolers gathering, a couple years ago. And since I, I came to the church as a pastor, people had, had been saying, you need to hear Christy's story. You need to hear Christy's story. And then you shared just such a powerful, profound, heartbreaking story in front of this MOPS group. And there was not a dry eye in the house. And the <laughs> feedback we got after was, that was amazing. And why didn't we have Kleenex? So now we have Kleenex <laughs> at MOPS. Um, but... Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your story and what you shared that morning. Um, well, they asked me at the women's retreat one time to share kind of my faith story. And so I looked back and I, I figured that's kind of where my story began. I grew up in the church. I can't remember accepting Jesus into my heart. It was like probably when I was five or six. And then I did it every couple of years just to make sure. I was one of those. You never know. <laughs> you never just know. Just in case. So uh, things were going along quite well, and I joined a covenant group, and I joined a covenant group in 2001, and I had never been in a Bible study small group situation, so it was really great. I met these women, and we were in group together for about a year, and I thought, you know, life is great, everything's wonderful, and looking back, I see that that was really when God said... Um, 
sweetheart, you're going to need these girls. Hmm. So a year later, um, my husband told me he needed to check himself into rehab. And I honestly asked him what for. I thought maybe shopping because he did spend a little right, extra money. Did you injure your knee? Is this yeah, like, physical therapy going? kind of physical a deal? therapy. Um, so no, I found out that he had a drug and alcohol problem, mm-hmm. and we began the roller coaster of addiction, relapse, recovery, relapse, and it was a brutal path. So for me, God really showed up. The church really showed up. Um, my covenant group would stay with me. They would lay hands on me. We would pray together. But really, it was just the acceptance because Mm -hmm. when you tell somebody that there's drugs and alcohol in your family, they just walk away. They crawl. They run. They are getting out as fast as they can. And um, those girls didn't. They stuck by me. They said, what can we do? How can we help? Uh, It was pretty amazing. I had a covenant group plant flowers in my garden. I had them show up for dinners and it was really awesome. During that time, my three-and-a-half-year-old son fell and broke his neck. So once again, the church kind of came alongside me. We had dinners. We had dinners for months. People just signed up. It was fantastic, amazing, but also very humbling because you thought, oh, my gosh, like more help for me. And then as I kind of thought things were getting back to normal, whatever normal is these days. No broken neck is normal. (laughs) Yeah, no broken neck, no rehab. Um, We got the diagnosis of bipolar disease for my husband. So that was kind of another trauma for us. And figuring out medications and doctor's appointments um, was very challenging. And and it's a debilitating disease, to say the least. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty awful. I will just say that it's pretty awful. But um, once again, God just showed up. I spent a lot of time on my knees, like physically on my knees saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I trust you. So just show me where you want me to be. And I said that a lot. And I I still say that. Um, Things got really well. Medication stabilized. Um, We are in recovery. Things were looking good. And then in January 2013, my husband died. And it was a routine, regular surgery that was supposed to be anywhere from one to five days in the hospital. And it turned into, you know, he's he's dead. He's gone. So I had a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 14-year-old at home. And... um, Yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) So, yeah, I learned to just, um, you know, people say take one day at a time. I was more like, okay, I'm going to go one minute at a time, and I'm going to just do what's next. And once again, God just showed up. I remember um, going to work and just saying, Lord, I have to go back to work. I have a practice to run. I have a team that's counting on me. So... I made him a deal. I said, God, I'm just going to show up if you'll do the rest. Mm -hmm. So I just put my butt in the seat every day. I saw patients, and God just came alongside me. My practice grew that year. We actually made our goals that year. We we had the best year we've had in forever. And I was like, well, that wasn't me, Lord. That was all you. So once again, the church came alongside me, providing meals, providing 
um, probably one of the best things that happened to me was doing the grief recovery workshop. Mm. Uh, it was eight weeks and, um, Karen and Karen run it. It was amazing. I still actually have dinner with one of the gals I met there. We have dinner once a month and we talk about how we're doing. And one of the things we talk about is what are you doing for yourself? What are you doing for fun? Well, you yeah. know, what are you doing for you? Cause we didn't want to be that girl. Yeah. We didn't want to end up that girl that nobody wants to be around that all they do is cry and complain and whine because to be honest, life sucks sometimes and you have to get up and you got to keep moving and there's something else out there. Yeah. So I kept moving and the boys seemed to be doing really well. Mm. I remember another time that the church showed up was Jason came. It had to be, it was either the day Rob died or the day after. And he said, mom, I need to talk to John. And I'm like, John who? And he's like, John youth pastor, John, he said I could call him anytime. So if I need to call him at 3 a.m., I can call him. And I was like, please don't call him at 3 a.m. <laughs> but that was really cool. And, and Jason met with him. He took him for coffee. They totally talked. And he really helped my son get through that time. Matt and John took my two oldest, Jason and Cam, to... It wasn't Knott's Berry Farm. Where did they go? Magic Mountain. And they spent the whole day just having fun a, f a few months later. Just mm. they said, we want to take your kids someplace fun. And it, it was just the coolest thing to have adults and young adults who wanted to help my family. I still sometimes will call and say, hey, Matt, can you check in with one of the boys? Because this is kind of what's going on. And, yeah. and he does. Yeah. And John still checks in. And, yeah. you know, he John doesn't Sauer, even live here. For those of you who are new, was our youth pastor. And now he's a, he's a senior pastor, associate pastor up in Washington State. But he still stays connected to, he still calls them his kids. Sometimes I'll text him a picture of the college group and say, here are your kids. And he's like, oh, it's so good to see my kids. Yeah, it is. It's great because um, my kids still think of him as their pastor. And with Matt coming alongside the boys, he's just been yeah. a rock star. So, yeah, that's my story. In a nutshell. <laughs> In a nutshell. I think back, I remember at Mops, one of the things you shared was what Jason said when you picked him up from school, because I think about <laughs> that all the time. Because you have, I mean, not only have you lost your husband, but you have this task of how do you tell your kids, right? How do you break the news? They're all old enough that they're going to understand. They're going to, you know, how how do you do that? And then what Jason said when you when you picked him up from school that day. So I picked Jason up and it wasn't until then we went to get Cam and then we went to get Zach. And that's when Zach said, no, mom, that didn't happen. And I opened the van door and, you know, everybody's bawling and Jason picks Zach up and hugs him. He says, Zach, it's okay because Jesus is here with us. Yeah. We can do this because we have Jesus. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, right? I put myself I in do? your shoes as the wife, and I'm like, can we? I don't know if we can, you know, but there's something about the, the, the child ministering to the parent in that moment of, yeah, we'll get through this because we have Jesus. Yeah. And it was so matter of fact and so like final. It was yeah. like spoken with confidence. We got this, mom. We got Jesus. I was like, okay, all right, here we go. Here we go. We're on the roller coaster. No one wants to ride. Yes. Yeah. And so that was 2007. 
2013. Got it. 2013. So seven, seven years seven ago. Seven years that, ago. That grief recovery group is still going. Not the same one, right? They do new eight-week sessions, but yes. we still offer that a couple times a year. The same women are still running it. And we hear stories like that all the time, that it, it was such a lifeline. And um, if you're someone who's going through grief in your life, it's a, it's a great resource. And we can connect you here at the church office because it really does... It helps to be with people who are in the same boat, but trying to row in the same direction. Yes. And just, you know, probably the biggest thing is you're not alone. Yeah. Because there aren't many, you know, 42-year-old women widows out there. And you kind of go, huh, well, this is fun. What do I do now? Right. And maybe expecting to face that someday, but someday, 50 years from now, right? There's a... Like when I'm old. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 105 or something. Yeah. There's... There's... There's so much to that idea that life just throws things at you. And um, I was reading recently the story of um, Captain Sully, who landed on the Hudson, and how everyone was, oh, it's a miracle on the Hudson. But in fact, he had been, he was a gliding instructor. Like, he was the one who taught pilots what to do if their engines failed. And then all of a sudden, his engines failed. And it's like, he had prepared his entire life for this situation. And just thinking that you were in that covenant group that you didn't know you would need but then you had that support and you were part of a church that you weren't sure you wanted to join because who wants to sit by their parents in church, you know, like, come on, man. Um, and that God had been preparing this path for you that no one wants to walk, but that God had prepared it before you and behind you and on every side. Um, and just the faithfulness of, of God in that story. Um, so Christy, you talked a lot about the ways the church was helpful. Mm-hmm. What should you never say to someone who is grieving? <laughs> Probably my top 10 yeah. are, don't worry, you're really cute. Wow. <laughs> You'll wow. have no problem finding a date. Because it's just replaceable, right? Right. That was great. And I know exactly how you feel. I did have someone to tell me that they knew exactly how I felt because their husband got really sick one time. Right. And same. almost died. Totally same. But that was good. That How was do you helpful. respond to those? You just kind of stand there and blink for a while until they realize that I that was not helpful. I just said, hmm, hmm. And finally I said, I got to go. Yeah. You know, there's not much you can say. Comparison is not a helpful tool. And no. And, and, you know, those were the two main things. Everybody, you know, they fumble around there. I don't know what to say. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Just show up. Yeah. Probably my favorite um Voicemail was one of my best girlfriends, Tina, called me and she goes, Chrissy, I don't know what to say. Uh, so this is me saying nothing. And she was silent for a few minutes. She said, I love you. Goodbye. Yeah. And it was just so oh, great. I think the biggest thing is just show up. You yeah. don't have to say anything. Just put your arm around that person. Just show up. Because people do get afraid, right? Like mm-hmm. what if I say the wrong thing so they don't call, which has to be worse, right? To feel forgotten in your grief, to feel alone mm-hmm. in your grief. And even a stumbling, like, right, hopefully they don't tell you you're really cute. I mean, everyone likes a compliment, <laughs> but that's not the time or the place. Yeah, like really? <laughs> Thank you so much. But to, to not be afraid of silence and fumbling and show up with dinner and then you don't have to talk. Show up and fold laundry yeah, and you don't just, have to talk. You know, just anything, just show up. People will say, well, I don't want to make you cry, but this guy looked like your husband. I said, that, it's okay if it makes me cry. It's yeah. great that you remembered him. I'm remembering him all the time. I cry all the time. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just some silly things. Don't say, you know, how they feel and don't say that they can find somebody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know you feel my dog died. You're like, no, no, not the <laughs> yeah. same. No, 
like, mm, okay. I have a friend who um, who lost her husband this summer, and she's 37. And she said that is the hardest thing is feeling forgotten or the constant comparisons, you know, or people who are like, cheer up. And she's like, really? Yeah. Really? Like, I'm sorry my grief makes you uncomfortable, but, like, I am sad. Yeah. You'll be fine. It'll get better. You know, time heals everything. It's a broken leg, right? Just yeah. sit there and eventually time will heal it. Um, but you really, you went after healing, right? You went yeah. after this grief recovery group and decided that there was going to be life on the other side. And I imagine that that was a really Herculean task. It was. It's scary. But I think it's like with anything, you have to be intentional. And I feel like my life today, I, I'm intentional about trying to find joy. I'm intentional about trying to find things that make me content and happy and trying to tell my boys, hey, life didn't go perfectly in our first quarter, but we got three quarters left, yeah. you know? So let's play the game. Play the game until God calls you home. Yeah. Because that's the best thing you can do. And play to win. <laughs> By gosh, nobody likes to lose. <laughs> let's win this game. So what do you do for fun? You're, <laughs> you're a dentist and you're a mom, which is two full-time jobs. So how, what do you do for you that's fun? I started taking ballroom dance lessons, which was really fun and scary and crazy. And I love being outside. I love being any water sport. So yeah. I go to the gym a lot. I'm yeah. kind of a gym rat. Well, and you say, oh, I'm going to go back to the dancing thing, because you say I take lessons, and I picture, like, people who kind of show up for a casual whatever. This is not a casual thing. <laughs> I have seen pictures on Facebook, and there is, like, full-on, it's not dancing with the stars costumes, but, like, it's not that far from that. It's kind of crazy, and I took a few lessons, and, and they're like, oh, you should do this performance. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really a performance kind of gal. I'm just going to take my lessons and and be happy with that. And then, you know, three months later, they've got me in this silly performance. And I'm all, seriously? Like, how did that happen? But it's just and so like competition fun. competition performance, right? These yeah, are like I've ranked. competed. I've done co competitions and performances. It just becomes very fun. And yeah. I realized after my first lesson, I was smiling and laughing. And I thought, I haven't smiled and laughed like this since Rob died. Yeah. So I'm going back and I'm doing it again because yeah. that was really fun. There's, there's healing. There's there, healing in laughter. There is, yeah. you know, so much healing and doing something that works your brain and makes you smile and gives you something to do. I mean, yeah. I could practice dance. Right. So You have to. Yeah, I Otherwise, have to you're not going to win this so competition. So it gives me a really fun place to go, and it keeps my brain healthy, and it's fun. It makes me smile, so yeah. I'm doing more of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's it's it's. It's one of those things Daryl and I talk about that like someday when our kids aren't so tiny and we can leave them with a babysitter and it's not a total rodeo, like that looks so fun. We had a friend's birthday recently and we all went line dancing and we were a disaster, but it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. I stepped on so many people, but it was so fun. And there's, there's nothing like, it just made us forget about ourselves for a while in mm -hmm. a good, healthy way, yes. right? It kind of carries you off. And we all need a little bit of that from time to time. Pastors get way too serious. It's terrible. <laughs> um, so Christy, we've talked about grief a little bit and we've talked about um, what not to say. <laughs> Besides showing up with food and things like that, if, if someone hears that a friend has had a tragedy, um, how, can they, how can they sit with that friend? What was, um, if you heard that someone had your experience today, what would you what would you do first? How would you Usually I ask a friend of theirs if they want to talk to someone who's been through something similar. Yeah. So I've talked to a lot of widows. Um, I've that taken them to lunch. Is it for I've, you? Is that hard for you? 
You know, it's it's hard. I I share my story. Usually they say, tell me your story. Yeah. And that's the first thing they say. And then if my story is, I don't know, presentable enough, then they tell me theirs. Right. It's really funny because they don't want to go first. Yeah. They go, tell me your story. Yeah. Why do you um, think that is? That's really interesting. I think because you don't want to be vulnerable and share your feelings until you know maybe that person really does understand. Yeah. Or gets it's a foreign it. country. Have you been there? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do. It's hard, but it makes me happy because I remember being around a few widows and it just felt right. They shared their story with me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Yeah. It is okay to feel this way. One of the questions was, when do you take off your wedding ring? Like, yeah. what's right? What's wrong? I, no, there's no when handbook for that. Yeah. And the, the answer is, when you're ready. When you're ready. You know, yeah. and everybody was different, but it was nice to have eight women saying, I took mine off here. I'm still wearing mine. I have mine on my right hand. Yeah. So you just, you find what works for you and then you do it. Yeah. Because there's no right or wrong in grief. Yeah. Um, so that and was those my rites big of passage. Thing. Sound mm-hmm. like they're different for everybody. Everyone you, has to decide about that ring. But yeah. it's, it's a different moment. And then you call and you show up. I had um, a gal, we weren't super close friends, but she sent me a card every month. And it was a silly, crazy card. And inside it would say, I hope it made you smile, thinking yeah. about you. And for six months, she sent me a card once a month. Because in the beginning, you'll get, you know, two weeks, your mailbox is, is stuffed with sympathy cards. And yeah. then there's no one. Everybody goes home, everybody goes back to their life, and your life is, as you know it, is over. Yeah. And that's a really hard place to be, like three weeks in, four weeks in. Yeah. And people don't talk about it because they don't want to make you sad. Right. Um, but I say talk about it. Show up with ice cream and say, I remember the time when he did this or she yeah. did this. And, and laugh and joke and cry, and it's yeah. okay to cry. I, th- I think sometimes people don't want to bring it up because they're afraid they'll make you sad, but it's not like you're not thinking about it all the time, right? Like if mm-hmm. they say, I, I noticed someone who looked like Rob, they're not, you're not like, Rob who, right? Like I haven't <laughs> yeah. thought, right? Like it's always with you. And so mm-hmm. that's a sign that they remember too, rather than I'm bringing you this sad thing. Right, exactly. And it makes you happy. You know, it does. It's like, oh, he was really special to you too. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the story about the friend with the cards because she wasn't someone who was a super, super close friend. And I think we often will filter that too. Like, well, I'm not close enough to be part of the support team in this situation, but you need a really big support team, right? No one's going to say, please don't bring me a meal. <laughs> yeah, I've eaten you enough. do. It, like they say, it takes a village. It, it really does. Yeah. I had rides home from people I barely knew for the kids. And, and the interesting thing is they become your good friends. Right. So somebody who was an acquaintance is now a really good friend because they showed up and they took care of me and they, they said, I can do that. I can, um, Julie Urban, who's a church member said, I will take your kid to church and home from church every Wednesday night. And I was like, no, no, I can't know that. And she goes, if you really want to carpool, I will let you, or I could just do it. And I said, (laughs) Okay, you could do it. Thank you. Let me do this thing for you. And that was huge, just not to have to leave my other kids at 9 p.m. to go pick up. And I mean, it was something that to her seemed so minimal, but to me it was huge. And I I will never forget that. Yeah. And she's already going, right? So it's just a slight swing out of her way to pick up. And and that's the piece, too, is I think sometimes I hold back from offering help because I feel like I can't do everything for this person. But if you can do pick up on youth group nights. Yeah, something little. That's 
Just something little. Yeah, it but makes what a, big a difference. difference that made for you, that one thing. And oh, there were other huge. people doing other one things. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's tremendous. Oh, that's awesome. I love that she pushed back on it. Yeah. Like, oh, if you want. Because <laughs> I just, said, well, why don't you take it? I'll pick up. It's a hit to your pride, though, isn't it? To oh. have to accept so much help. This church was so incredibly generous and sweet with us in that postpartum season when I was on parental leave with with both of our kids that we had out here. But I always had this, like, I should say, no, I'm fine. I can do this. And Daryl was <laughs> finally like, say yes to the help, right? Like, help <laughs> is helpful. And occasionally you get an offer that's actually not helpful, and then you can say no. But, we, you know, I have such a, a pride barrier sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's like, gosh, you know, dinner would be great. Yeah, well, I don't, you know, I don't need it. Well, I don't, right. you know, I, I won't I could actually do it. die without it. Right, exactly. But <laughs> it's... um. It's crazy. My sister still makes me dinner every Tuesday night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you can't possibly still be making me dinner Tuesday nights. Like, that's so embarrassing. And she goes, do you not like it when I make you dinner? I go, no, it's the best night of the week. You're hurting my feelings. But um, yeah, so okay, yes, please. That's Just keep awesome. doing it. That's so awesome. I've learned to say yes. Yeah. And then yes, and then yes. And right. Then yes. Right. And on the other side of it, the, I think the thing I forget is that when people help me. It, it also does something for them. It's doing something for me, but like we like to be useful. We like to be needed. And when we allow other people into that space, that that's a blessing to them as well. That's what everyone says when they come back from any mission <laughs> trip ever, right? Like yes. uh, they blessed me so much more than I blessed them. But the same is true in relationship. And I, I have some friends who I will offer help and they kind of stiff arm me away. And I think there's intimacy that's lost there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they don't want me to see their mess or their pain or or whatever it is, and when we let people in, that that builds trust and it builds Christian fellowship and it builds um, just relationship that that goes on past the one meal that you dropped off or the laundry that you folded. Yeah, it really does. And this is one of the things we talk about a bit in Mops and with the young moms, there is such a, like Pinterest has ruined us all. And we all have this now perception that if we don't have it all together, if it's not dinner party perfect, we can't let each other in. And I think grief and and postpartum years and stomach flu that my family just went through, like these things break you down for your own good so that you can start to let people in, if you will. Yeah. I had a, a gal who joined our covenant group a few years later than I was in it. And she said, well, I never knew any of that stuff. Hmm. And I said, well, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't want you to know. Right. So it's not like you share this with everyone. Yeah. You share it with the select few, the select few that show up and break down the barrier and, and it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay not to be Martha Stewart and it's all right. And it's okay not to be vulnerable to the depths with everyone. I think that's an important yes. thing to say too, is that sometimes you do need to keep some things close and that's, that's Absolutely. okay. Being a Christian doesn't mean you have to wear your entire life on your sleeve for the entire world all the time. <laughs> no. Jesus had three very close disciples and then he had nine more semi-close disciples and then he had the rest of the world, right? There are layers of friendship and that's yes. a healthy thing. So it's mm-hmm. an important thing. Um, so Christy, you ballroom dance. And you run a dental practice, and you have three enormous and wonderful boys. (laughs) What has God been teaching you lately on the other side of the freshness of grief? I know grief is forever, right? You will carry this with you forever. But what has God been teaching you lately? So God is teaching me patience and just being okay in an okay place. Like life isn't fabulous, but life isn't awful. It's it's very gray right now, and, and that's okay. Black and white is okay for a while. 
I'm just sitting tight and seeing what he has in store for me next. And I'm, I'm learning to do that. And also he's telling me or teaching me to find joy. Find yeah. joy in the little things like having 15-minute dinner conversation with my 17-year-old son. You got you know? him to talk that long? I know, 15 minutes. That's amazing. And, it, you know, it's just fun and looking for the little things because grief is not as hurtful now. It, we're, next week will be seven years. Wow. And so it does. It gets better. You know, time heals all wounds. Just don't say that to right. someone. Right. But yeah. it is true. And so, yeah, God is just teaching me to keep my hands open and my eyes open for what he has in store for me next. Yeah. And so I'm not sure what it is, but as I always say, I don't know what you want me to do, Lord, but just I'm here. Show me where you want me to go. It's kind of an exciting place to be. It is. Yeah. And you've been involved in this church for a lot of years and you've done a lot of different <laughs> things. I know. You tell me a little bit about the ways you've been involved here at PCOM in the midst so. of being a single mom running a dental practice. You have also, I mean, I see you all over the place here. Well, I had one church member give me a lot more credit because my sister and I look a lot alike. That's and awesome. so she was like, you're head of women's ministries. You do VBS. You do this. You do that. I'm like, no, no, that's two different people. <laughs> so, Just take the credit. Just say thank yeah, you. Yeah. So for me personally, I've taught Sunday school. I've been the moderator of women's ministries twice. And now I am leading a small group with high school teenage girls, which is so fun to have my girls. Yeah. And I'm You're also teaching with yeah. high school girls. You have plenty of experience <laughs> with fun. high school boys. So yeah, it's been really fun to get to know these girls. And I'm uh, teaching Sunday school twice a month at the nine o'clock service. So it's it's been great. And I'm still involved in women's ministries. I'm just not in charge of it anymore, <laughs> which is a fun place to be because it's a great group. Yeah. And, um, I do a lot of neat things. I've gone to retreats, and I've been doing a little bit of speaking. I've spoke to different MOPS groups, which yeah. has been really wonderful, but also challenging, you know, to tell your story. Yeah. But I've had really good feedback. and um, You're dynamic up there. You're, you're <laughs> well, amazing. Thank you. They were like, where did you hire her from? And I'm like, no, no, she goes to our church. And they're like, really? <laughs> Professional Toastmasters. <laughs> And it's really, I mean, it's a courageous thing to get up there and because you, I imagine you go home from those exhausted. I do. You bring it, you know, you bring it all back up and you put it all out there, but there is um, joy in it too, because I remember when I was a, let's see, pregnant with my third child at the rehabilitation for the first night and somebody shared their story with me and it was life changing. It yeah. was like, oh my gosh. I can do this because she did it. Yeah. So tell me more. Tell me more. And I just was like, let me be your friend. Help me. And those are categories that the church has not historically been great with. How do we talk about drugs and alcohol? We have many, many AA groups here, but I think sometimes we get the sense that like, oh, that's for those people. And the people mm -hmm. who come to our church don't need that. Or the church is historically very bad about talking about mental illness. And we can, yeah. if we can talk about physical illness, we need to be able to talk about mental illness and destigmatize that because then it's even harder to be in the midst of what you're in the midst of if you feel like you're it alone is. on an island. When you turn into one of those people and you realize, yeah. well, I didn't want to be one of those people. Right. But we're all one of those people. <laughs> you know, we all have our own category yeah. of I'm one of those no, people. you're exactly right. And just to be able, I mean, if you actually start talking about mental illness, you'll find so many people who have been affected by it, yeah. either by a sibling or in themselves or with um, a spouse. It's it's really surprising, but comforting to know, oh, 
I'm not alone. Look at these people who are going through this too. So it really, I think the biggest thing is to find some safe people to share your story with because you'll find that they have a story too and it may not be exactly like yours, but there's hardships in everybody's story. Yeah. And you can learn from everybody's story. Yeah. And realizing you're not alone on the island, whatever the island may be, the island mm-hmm. of grief, the island of mental illness, the island of, of drug and alcohol addiction. And um, our church has a support group for family members of folks suffering from mental illness. And we also, there's a great program at Saddleback that Kay Warren runs for people who themselves are struggling or loved ones of those struggling. And the church is getting better at talking about it. Um, but there's more to do. There's more to do mm-hmm. for sure. Um, like the, the walls are starting to come down and the more we can talk about these things and the more people know they're not alone. Um, so if someone listening is struggling with something like this or loves someone who's struggling with someone who is struggling with something like this, um, and would like to talk to a pastor, we would love to connect you with some resources or Christian counselors, um, that can walk with you in the midst of, in the midst of this, cause you're not alone. None of yeah. us are. And I think our bridge ministry is pretty amazing yeah. with that too. And because sometimes you don't, you know, you don't need three years of counseling. You just need like maybe three to six weeks. We just yeah. need a little help. You need someone to sit with you and pray mm-hmm. with you and listen to your story. And mm-hmm. and yeah, the bridge ministry, we're going to have an episode on the bridge ministry in a, in a couple weeks. Oh, good. Um, but it's a ministry here at PCOM of care and prayer for people going through times of crisis. And we have these certified, well-trained lay ministers whose job mostly is just to listen and to pray. Um, and you can't shock them. They've heard it all. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes you do. You just need that listening ear. And even the best friendship, there's some reciprocity where you listen, then they listen, and you listen. And to just be able to have someone where you just dump your stuff and it's confidential is such a grace sometimes. Oh, definitely. I did a lot of work with Saddleback Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Um, part of the beauty of that is you go in and you share, and you get to share once, and then you don't get to talk again yeah. for 45 minutes. Right. And it's like, wow, I learned how to listen. It's hard. Listening is is hard, man. It's exhausting. Well, Christy, thank you so much for taking the time. It took us a while to find a slot for the podcast because Christy has (laughs) a lot on her plate and cavities need to get filled, man. They do not wait. Um, But thank you for taking the time and sharing your story and being one of those safe people that people can talk to about about these things. Um, Yeah. Tune in next time for the Pecom Podcast, where we share more stories of God at work. Thanks again, Christy. You're welcome. Have a story you'd like to share at the Pecom Podcast? Contact Pastor Courtney Ellis at Courtney.ellis at mypecom.com. The Pecom Podcast is a production of Presbyterian Church of the Master. Our web guru is Kevin Reimers. Original music by Jeff Given. Join us Sundays for worship at 9 and 10.45 a.m. where we tell the stories of what God is doing in our midst. Mm -hmm.